Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, this is where the best are. This is where the best run. So let me tell you what the show is about today. Every CFO and finance team needs to close the books at the end of each period, whether it's monthly, quarterly, or an annual close. This is a requirement that will continue to exist. And I actually have a quote here from a Deloitte white paper. Let me read that to give you an idea of how important this is. They say there's limited precedent into how a global pandemic like COVID-19 will impact financial services organizations as they prepare to complete their first virtual close. So there it is. It's a real thing. So as we find ourselves in an extraordinary business situation, the pandemic has sent accountants and most other white collar workers zooming, and that's a pun intended, into their home offices. And this has started the conversation about what I just mentioned, the virtual close. How ready are companies to close their books remotely? Very important question. Financial processes from daily transactions to the publication of financial results, even planning for the future, looking at the financial impacts of decisions in this changing environment will now need to be carried out in a virtual environment. So we're going to look at this from a people perspective here for a moment. Two types of leaders will emerge. Those who are pulling back, mm-hmm, not ready, not poised, not able, not capable of taking that leap of faith, and those who are looking forward. The forward-looking leaders will see the situation as a new opportunity to make a lasting impact on their businesses, and they're going to work to ensure that their teams seamlessly execute for a couple of reasons, to preserve business continuity and to ultimately emerge even stronger. Yes, yes, yes. So question on the table for our listeners around the world. How are the leaders in your organization positioned to face these challenges of the virtual close? I have three experts on the panel. In a moment, we're going to be hearing from Molly Boyle at Blackline, Imran Lodi at Truqua, and Katerina Rayshirt at SAP. Our topic today, welcome to a new world, the virtual financial close. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Let's get this started. Molly Boyle at Blackline. Molly, welcome. And please spend about two minutes telling us a little bit about what you do at Blackline and what is your position or your passion for this topic. Welcome, Molly. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. And hi, hi everybody. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, my name is Molly Boyle. I'm representing Blackline today. I've been with the company for about two and a half years. And my role here is really to help our SAP customers understand how Blackline solutions, which help them close the books timely and accurately and remotely, how those solutions fit in with the rest of their SAP ecosystem, really help them see the value in our solutions and help them solve their business challenges. Before I joined Blackline, though, I um, really spent my entire career working in accounting and finance up until then. So about 14 years before joining Blackline, spent some time in public accounting, working in the audit business, and then ultimately moved into a corporate accounting role where I had an opportunity to optimize the global close process, run a global close process, and also sort of evaluate and optimize solutions, including SAP solutions and Blackline solutions to help bring a lot of efficiencies to the close. So that's really where my passion for this topic started, um, living and breathing it myself, feeling the mm-hmm. pain of many of the challenges of manual processes. Um, so super excited to have a discussion today. I've been spending the last couple of months uh, listening and working with a lot of our Blackline customers and other experts in this space to really understand the challenges of closing virtually and, and to figure out how we can help, too. So thanks for having me. Thank you, Molly. Delighted. I really appreciate your point of view on that. Let me ask you a quick question before I move on. Question is, is it scary to think about having to do a virtual close? Not, would we like to, which might have been something six months ago or a year ago. Now it's, we have to. So is this a scary thing for the companies you're working with? I think it it was a little scary for some companies only because there was so little time to prepare. So what I've learned over the past couple months is there's a big difference 
um, between those companies who had kind of adopted a technology approach and already had a lot of solutions on board and those companies who are still doing a lot of manual work. I think this really highlighted, and I'm sure we'll get into this for many companies, how dependent they were on tribal knowledge and manual processes. So it can be scary, but I think it's also a huge opportunity. Thank you. I like the optimism. That's what we're here for, Molly. Thank you and welcome. And let's move around the table. One seat over on our virtual roundtable to Imran Lodi at the Black Line Practice at Truqua. We've had several of your colleagues at Truqua on the show over the years. Imran, welcome and please tell us a little bit about your background and what's your position on the topic. Go ahead, Imran. Um, hi, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. As you said, my name is Imran Lodi and um, originally from the UK, from London, uh, Wimbledon area, to explain the accent, but I've been um, in the US about 10 years now. So, as you said, I'm with Truqua. We're an SAP implementation partner, and I'm leading up the Black Line practice. Um, I'm relatively new to the space, and my, my background's actually very similar to Molly's. I've worked uh, 15 years in accounting and finance, both uh, public accounting and corporate accounting. And in that time, I've had an opportunity to participate and lead in many finance transformation projects, such as but not limited to the RP implementations and uh, rolling out SaaS solutions. And um, my, my interest and passion in this topic is I think we all know about people, process, and technology. And I found a lot of my success in focusing on the people part of that, so finding ways to enable our teams and our organizations to be successful, but through leveraging the, the process and technology, so um, finding best practices in corporate governance and uh, business process design to, to be able to unlock the um, potential of our people. And I think this is a really exciting time um, in a very positive way because of the amount of change that businesses are having to deal with. I think we all acknowledge that every business is having to adapt in some way. And I feel like there's a really great opportunity for organizations to take a step back and look at look at what they see going on within their own uh, teams and organizations and figure out which pieces to, to leverage and optimize going forward and whether there are opportunities to improve and um, none, no, no area smaller than the closed process, which we're talking about. Thank you very much. What do you think, Imran? Are companies scared? I asked the same question to Molly Boyle a moment ago. Are they scared? Do they have trepidation? Or are some of them saying, yes, we've been hoping and praying and practicing for this forever, and now we get to use it? What do you see? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it depends business to business, and I think it depends on where they are in um, their kind of transition from um, wholly manual processes that we saw a little while ago across the board to more automation. And it's funny that you, you mentioned some of the excitement um, because I feel like there are people out there who are using this, um, this the circumstances in the world to really push forward some of their progressive transformation initiatives that um, uh, maybe they've, they've been trying to, trying to implement for the last couple of years. But it's really a mixed bag. And I think it's um, people, people are looking at where where they where they could get more control, where they thought they had control, and I think it's it's a bit of a reality check. But um, it, it just depends on where where companies are. I think every company is um, finding some some pros and some opportunities, and a lot of challenges and uh, areas that they want to tweak. Well, that's why we're here to talk about that. Thank you very much. This is very much, I think, a people topic as well as a finance topic. Thank you, Imran. Nice to have you on the show. And let's go around the table. One more stop to Katerina Rayshard at SAP. Katerina, we'd love to have you introduce yourself and talk about your passion or relationship to the topic, please. Hi, Bonnie. Thank you so much for hosting us today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, together with my colleague, uh, Connie Meyer, I lead the global solution management team for accounting and central finance at SAP. I'm based in Waldorf, and I've been with a company now about 16 years. And what our team does is we build a bridge between our customers and our engineering organization. So I spend my time talking with customers around the world, um, who have a very various uh, IT landscape about all of their financial accounting and managerial accounting topics. Uh, 
So records report and um, financial planning and analysis are really my home turf. And what makes me really passionate about the financial close is that I see opportunities for intelligent technologies to to bring people's um, to bring more automation to the close going forward. Um, before I joined SAP, I spent several years at a management consultancy in the financial services industry, so I'm familiar with some of the different industry-specific approaches to the financial close as well. Thank you, Katerina. By the way, your phone line is amazingly sharp and clear, and we're very grateful for that. So <laughs> you know what we go through sometimes to get our guests, and you're up on the line. Katerina, are companies afraid of this? Are they shaking in their proverbial boots? Are they saying, yes, it's about time? Same questions I asked Molly and Imran. What's your take? You have a, an interesting vantage point from SAP. Sure. Um, I have to echo what Imran said. It really is very customer-specific. Um, many of the companies that I speak to are global companies that have actually taken a, um, a quasi-virtual approach in that they moved their reporting processes, the financial closing processes, into shared services organizations already five to ten years ago. Hmm. So in that case, the um, the local close maybe for a business unit based in France was actually being processed by colleagues in Prague or for the U.S. it might be processed by colleagues in a shared service center in Argentina. So in that way there already was a little bit of distance between the business and the financial close but certainly today's environment where people just aren't in shared service centers but are really working from their home offices brings new additional challenges. You know, will I have the access to the systems that I need? Um, What do we do in situations in countries where the people don't necessarily have laptops, but rather work at PCs in the office? Mm -hmm. So there are some some challenges. But I think uh, what we've seen and what I've heard in speaking with customers is that most companies are rising to that challenge and have found creative and innovative ways um, usually relying on, you know, great talented accountants um, to to solve the existing uh, problem with uh, innovative ideas. Thank you very much. I also like the optimism you are conveying to us. Thank you. Thank you all for your introductions. And this is the part of the show where I've asked my panelists in advance to please send me a quote from a movie, a book, a song, something that has on the surface absolutely nothing to do with our topic, and they're going to relate it to the topic in their own words. Molly Boyle has sent us a quote. We happen to love this quote. The movie is A Field of Dreams, 1989, American sports fantasy drama film written and directed by Phil Alden Robinson, and it adapted W.P. Kinsella's 1982 novel Shoeless Joe. The film stars Kevin Costner, Amy Madigan, Madigan, James Earl Jones, Ray Liotta, and it was Burt Lancaster's final film role, and just briefly walking through his cornfield one evening, Kinsella hears a voice whispering, and here's the quote, If you build it, he will come. And he sees a vision of a baseball diamond in his field and the great shoeless Joe Jackson. And you have to watch the movie to see the rest of it. So Molly Boyle, you picked this quote, If you build it, he will come. Talk to me. How does this relate to our topic, please? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I couldn't resist um, a baseball <laughs> quote. I grew up pretty much in a dugout. My dad's a baseball coach, <laughs> and I grew up in the Midwest, so... One of my favorite movies and always love to bring things back to baseball, especially when we don't have it this spring and I'm missing it. Um, but, yeah, I think this this is exactly tied to what Imran was mentioning in his opening remarks, which is there's a lot of this um, current challenge that's going to be about people and that's going to be about sort of where you are on your journey to digital transformation. And so I think if you if that, if I was a leader – And as I think about the opportunity that leaders have in accounting and finance right now, as you suggested in your opening remarks, you could either kind of sit back and Mm -hmm. pull back and worry about your budget and, you know, potentially not invest in the future because you're uncertain, or you could take this as an opportunity to really transform and to prioritize, you know, process improvement and digital transformation. And so I think, for CFOs and controllers and chief accounting officers, this is really a chance for them. They're not going to um, have another opportunity like this soon, most likely, to really transform their processes, 
build for the future, and hopefully as a result, keep a, a retain and attract a lot of top talent. I think one of the big things we're going to see coming out of all of this is, you know, people working, wanting to work in a different way and wanting to perform meaningful tasks and make meaningful contributions to the business. So I think um, this is a really exciting chance for, for CFOs to lay the foundation now uh, for a lot more resiliency in the future. Thank you. How beautifully put, Molly. I appreciate that. I felt like we were looking at a script for another part of the movie right there. Thank you. A movie about finance, of course. No, but very well done. Thank you so much and and really appreciate the quote. And by the way, Molly, you got it right. A lot of people say the quote is, if you build it, they will come. You got it right. It is, he will come. And I appreciate that. I had to correct somebody a few weeks ago, and I don't like to do that. (laughs) Thank you, Molly. Appreciate that. And I'm happy to know you're a baseball fan, and let's hope they get out there in a real field one of these days. Again, wouldn't we all love that? Let's move around the table to Imran Lodi. And Imran has sent us a quote from, oh, it's it's both uh, a line from a Beatles song written by Lennon and McCarthy in 1967, Strawberry Fields Forever. And it's also the title of a more recent 2013 Spanish comedy drama film. And the title of that film was Vivir Efacil con los Hoyos Cerrados. I hope I did did justice to that. And here is the line Imran has selected, we'll say originally from Strawberry Fields, living is easy with eyes closed. Let me read the rest of that stanza, Imran, if it's okay. Living is easy with eyes closed, misunderstanding all you see. It's getting hard to be someone, but it all works out. It doesn't matter much to me. Oh, I'm getting chills. (laughs) I remember these songs. Imran, talk to me. How'd you pick this quote and what does it have to do with our topic today? Go ahead. Well, I, I kind of get the same reaction. I uh, I love the Beatles. I love music, and I I can relate a lot of things to Beatles songs and Beatles uh, kind of mood. So this one, on a personal level, I like um, just the melody of the song. Living is easy with eyes closed, and it's almost an inherent breath in the melody. So sometimes I I just take that on and I shut my eyes and breathe. And that, but within this topic, I think that there are. And businesses are kind of getting subcategorized into those which are kind of doubling down on their transformation journeys, and some which some whom are kind of moving moving within um, emerging business as usual. And then there are maybe some who some organisations that are uh, maybe somewhat in denial and have their eyes closed and just want to kind of get through it and not not maybe strategize medium longer term. And so, and um, there's there's a there's an opportunity for all of those companies to to think about what they're doing, honestly, and where they're going and where they want to be and to benchmark against each other and, and to grow. And I feel like this is uh, an opportunity and uh, an era of uh, process change within all organizations. So whilst uh, living is easy with eyes closed sometimes, I think now is the time to to open your eyes and to, to see what's going on within the world around you and try and figure out where, where you think you might be in 6, 12, 24 months and where you want to be. Where you want to be, absolutely. And do you think where people want to be in finance, Imran, is they want to just say, sure, we do a virtual close. Sure, it's the best thing since sliced bread was invented or since baseball teams got back on a real diamond. Do you think they're going to be relieved to say, yes, we know we, know we were on the right path because we saw this in advance? What do you think? Yeah, I think I think there is a level of validation in uh, some of those uh, some of those projects that people want to, to process and prove and to kickstart their digital transformation journey. I definitely feel like there's an opportunity to, to look back and say, wow, um, compared to where we were before we started this, um, these projects maybe five years ago and now, I don't, I don't know how we would have got this done. I think there's a lot of, a lot of that within the market. There's a lot of um, people reflecting on what they have achieved. And my goodness, I don't know how I would have coped if I hadn't done that. But then yep. there's also that, well, maybe if we'd done more, um, we'd be in an even better situation. 
Thank you very much. And let's go around the table to Katerina Rayshirt and Katerina. Katerina, you go went with the flow here. Everybody sent me music and song quotes, and I love it. It's very hard to get a full panel to do this. People like to quote Churchill and Walt Disney and Mark Twain, and we got another quote here. This is from the Grateful Dead song, Truckin'. Grateful Dead, anybody doesn't know, was an American rock band formed in 1965 in Palo Alto, California, known for its eclectic style, which fused elements of rock folk country jazz bluegrass blues gospel and psychedelic rock and they had a very devoted fan base known as deadheads and of course jerry garcia was part of that band and they were ranked 57th by rolling stone magazine's the greatest artists of all time issues and inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame in 1994 and here is the line the line is hang it up and see what tomorrow brings Ooh, katarina talk to me how'd you find this one so, Bonnie, I love the fact that you asked us for quotes. Um, that's really great. And when I think about music and when I think about the Grateful Dead, the first thing that comes to mind is what you just touched on, the sense of community that their fans have. And I think today when we're all sort of working in our um, remote home environments, some of us are missing that sense of community. So um, the Grateful Dead really has always, for me, stood for um, collaboration and for really that, that community spirit that I think everyone has to, um, has to hold on to to get through tr- tough times. And the song Truckin' is about moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also important. Um, in this time, we really do have to make sure that we move forward. Um, eight weeks ago, when things were super uncertain, I feel like a lot of People wondered if they needed to take a personal day and put their head in the sand for a day. But that's really not the approach um, that we need to support our businesses. We need to make sure things are moving forward, and we just have to make sure we keep trucking on. And the line that I chose, hang it up and see what tomorrow brings, um, has a couple of aspects that, that resonate with me. First of all, there will be a tomorrow. So it has a very positive mm-hmm. message. Um Second, I, I interpret the line as, for me personally, when I work at home, um, sometimes at the end of the day, it's too easy just to continue working, and it reminds me, okay, the day's done. I can hang it up and start again tomorrow. And thirdly, with the um, focus on the financial close specifically, you know, we can learn from what we've done in each close that we're doing in these uh, extreme circumstances, and we can learn what went well, what didn't go well. We can take those lessons learned and have incremental improvements that will help us move forward for the next close. We don't have to have the perfect solution immediately in hard circumstances. Instead, we can learn from each incremental close, identify opportunities for improvement, implement those changes, and reap benefits in the next period. So I think we can take a stepwise approach uh, to getting better and better. And so for me, that's hang it up and see what tomorrow brings. And also in that song comes the line, what a long, strange trip it's been. And I think (laughs) six months from now, we will look back at the year 2020 and we'll say, wow, what a long, strange trip it's been. The Grateful Dead. Um, is really insightful on many levels for this situation. Very, very, very. Thank you for that. That reminded me what you just said, Katerina, uh, from of the David Bowie song, Changes, Ch-Ch-Ch-Changes, Turn and Face the Strange. Uh-huh. It's a very, very similar observation. Little did they know at the time. We'll leave it there. Thank you, panelists. I applaud the three of you for being so creative in your quotes and delighting us on so many levels. Grateful Dead, and uh, we had the uh, Field of Dreams, and we had Strawberry Fields. We got some fields in there. Lennon and McCartney, thank you to the three of you. Very, very creative and very appreciated. It just makes it more fun to talk about the topic that way. Now we're going to move on. No, we're not taking a break. We're going to move on. I have a quick shout-out. Out to the people who sponsor this series. We have Chris Grundy and Birgit Starmans at SAP. This is season nine and our longest running Game Changer series of all 48 series. And I'm grateful to them for confidence that we are reaching a global audience uh, here on the Voice America World.
World Talk Radio Business Channel, an audience that appreciates this kind of information, that appreciates listening to experts like Molly Boyle and Imran Lodi and Katarina Raichert with your sharing your insights and sharing your expertise. So we appreciate the panel and we appreciate Chris Grundy and Birgit Starmans for keeping the show going. Very, very important. And it's one of our most popular series. Just wanted to throw that in. So let's go on. Molly Boyle, I'm looking at your statements here. I think we've covered a little bit of a couple of them. I want to go with statement four, Molly, if that's okay with you. I don't know if we've covered this. Let's, we're going to jump around a little bit. So statement four, Molly says, while technology is a key component to a successful virtual close, companies should av- avoid overwhelming their already busy accounting teams by increasing communication, starting with low-hanging fruit, and leading with empathy. Let's get to the people part of this, Molly. We'll have plenty of time to get to the more technical stuff. But Molly, talk to me. What does this all mean? Yeah, I think some of the things we've discussed early on here um, are a perfect lead-in to this, which is the idea of, you know, maybe people being a little bit scared or overwhelmed by this. And I think, you know, right now, regardless of what your financial close process looks like, everybody's personal lives are, you know, upended and changed right now. I know I personally am trying to figure out as many others how to do my job and homeschool small children. Mm -hmm. And so there's just a lot of new and added pressures on everybody in the workforce right now. And, And some people are fearful that you know, they may not have jobs. And so I think in a time like this where we don't have connectivity in the office and we're not able to pop our head over a cube wall and check in on the status of that item, communication is absolutely key from leadership. Being left in the dark, not knowing what's happening, not knowing the direction or the vision. And it doesn't have to be, you know, certainly leaders don't have to have a crystal ball and they may not have all the answers, But having those recurring touch points or ways of communicating and interacting, even if that's a quick morning coffee break to circle everybody up, make sure any issues are addressed or put to rest, having that recurring communication and keeping people up to speed on what's happening is really, really critical right now. And I think the last thing I'll say here is um, part of what I said is, you know, avoid overwhelming people. I think when a lot of organizations and a lot of accountants who are used to sort of a very rigorous, repeatable close exercise, no matter how stressful that may be, um, this idea of digital transformation or of completely upending their processes can be very scary. And so it's important to keep in mind and communicate as leaders that this is a journey, right? We're not looking to flip everything on its head. I think, you know, the the world has already done that for us now. We can start small and we can start with low-hanging fruit. We can, you know, crawl, walk, run on this journey to making things better. Katarina said it perfectly just a few minutes ago that we can make small incremental improvements, you know, that next executable step. And then Maybe we free up a little bit of time this month that we can then repurpose next month for more value-added activities, whatever the case may be. Um, so I think just really keeping in mind people's feelings is, is really important for leaders. Thank you very much. Great insights. And, and we love to relate all of this to the human side, as I said, Molly. Thank you. Let's quickly get uh, Imran Lodi's comments about what Molly just shared, Imran, and then we'll ask Katarina Rasher at the same thing. Imran, what do you think? Agree or disagree? Uh, yeah, no, very much agree with what Molly's saying. I think um, focus on two two areas in particular for empathy. I think I think this is a real opportunity for leadership to show strong leadership and to to really um, spend time understanding what their team is going through and again um, think about how to make their team successful. And that empathy uh, kind of rolls out past past their immediate roles within the organization, but thinking about some of the stresses that they have in their life in terms of um, the stresses of having the proximity of your, your family very close to you when you're trying to work through to concerns about family health and so on and so forth. Maybe even um, thinking about the workspaces that they're within and having you know their immediate physical workspaces and the lack of um, the office environment, which has helped them to, to be successful in the past. 
Um, and then the other the other piece is on communication. I think I totally agree with what Molly's saying. I think communication is so important. Um, one of one of the stresses that people have is when they're going to get their information, what quality the information is, like you know what challenges they might need to compensate for to do their role with the information that they receive. So. But at the same time, it's um, everyone is super busy and adapting. So I think the key is effective communication. So those touch points, absolutely, I think they're very important. But having some sort of structure to them. So maybe um, if, we, if we don't have time to set up an agenda every day, then doing a round robin to make sure that the, the communication and that time is well used and that people are buying into to the importance of participating. And I think that the more, the more successful the members of the team are in performing their roles within the remote close, then obviously the, the close itself is going to be more effective. So very much agree with what Molly's saying. Thank you very much. Great insights. Katarina Rasher, join us. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I also have to, to echo what my panelists have said. Um, I totally agree with Molly's point of view. Um, if In the best of times, we know that if you have poor morale in your team, that, you know, as much as 35% of productivity is just gone. And if you think about uh, the fact that we're not in normal times, um, we have to be very careful and realize that morale and productivity are, are very closely linked. Um, and we need to make sure that we, we're doing all we can to keep morale up. Um, finding the right level of communication and the right mm-hmm. style of communication is very important. Um, in some environments, um, there are reasons why people don't like to turn on their cameras. Um, yes. And I, I feel like that um, does make it harder to, to feed off of the, um, the, the gestures and the mimics that would otherwise give you clues to how your teammates are doing. And another challenge um, that we see working in a, a global environment is that a lot of the uh, company-specific HR policies that affect accountants that are located really in distributed uh, teams across multiple countries adds an additional challenge because each country is, in fact, communicating to HR departments in a slightly different way about when people are allowed to come back to the office when they should be working, when they shouldn't be working. Um, it can be a, a severe um, challenge for any financial leader trying to put together a team for the virtual close. Thank you. Molly, great start to the conversation part of the roundtable. Appreciate that very provocative statement. I don't think you expected me to go to number four right away, but I think it worked really, really well. Thank you, Molly Boyle. Imran, I'm moving around the table to you. I'm looking at statement number one. This is interesting. You say winning finance and accounting organizations are those that will use their virtual close experiences as an internal discovery opportunity. Conducting close postmortems will identify the process gaps, allow for cost-benefit analysis and project prioritization, and build into transformation roadmaps. Imran, let's take this new path. So talk to me. Please expand. Well, this is, um, um, I think it's important for people to, to look for benefits and opportunities within this remote closed process. And here I'm thinking about um, we are learning and adapting and innovating all the time within our closed processes uh, to kind of optimize and tweak. And I think, as Katarina said, like, as we go through each closed process, we should be incrementally changing to, to improve. And here, um, I think... I would think it's important to take take a moment post any close, to be honest, to, to take a look and think about some of the challenges that um, the team had or leadership had and to use that as uh, kind of the an opportunity to think about what what can be changed. And in, in this situation, I think there's a lot going on all at once. There are many variables being changed and dialed up, dialed down at any time. So it's to, to go through each of them um, to, to identify the ones which we think are um, the variables which are playing the, the biggest roles in um, our success in closing the books, then to assess what, what projects we might have um, to correct and improve our internal processes, to prioritize them, and then to, to create a, a roadmap. And I think the, uh, the concept of transformation roadmaps is so important. Uh, people... People sometimes think that they need to big bang um, a digital transformation, 
but it is a journey. Uh, you can you can start in smaller projects and kind of gain momentum, get some quick wins, and you know some some of these things are relatively quick to to deploy and implement and succeed from, and some are longer, bigger, more impactful. But it's, it's important to have a, a strategy to what you're doing and to plan everything out. Thank you very much, Katarina Reichert. Please join us. What do you think? Yeah, expanding on what Imran said, I think that one aspect uh, that customers could be evaluating when they look at the path towards incremental improvements is they should take a look at cloud software. Um, One of the advantages for cloud software specifically is that you would have often very standardized business processes with baked-in best practices. Um, So that helps companies uh, get up and running with whatever business process they're improving uh, faster, and they can be sure that they're following a very standardized template approach. Um, One of the side benefits of, of that standardized approach is also that there's sort of a less risk for the the customer looking at that incremental improvement. Um, they don't have a lot of configuration settings or customizings uh, that they would break and therefore have, you know, big risks to project timelines. Uh, rather, they're implementing a, um, a quick and well, well-defined solution to a particular business problem. And with the, with the move in general, um, from software being installed in an on-premise environment to the cloud um, that really sets up teams to have more options for incremental improvements to projects, to processes, which can be done in a smaller project approach. Thank you very much. Molly Boyle, join us, please. Yeah, um, I, I uh, probably not surprisingly agree with a lot of the comments that the other panelists Made. I think one thing that struck me from Imran's statement there was this idea of sort of doing a postmortem to figure out where to go next. And I think that's one thing, as I've talked to a lot of customers out there that maybe aren't as far along or prospective customers that aren't as far along in their digital transformation journey, one thing I'm hearing is that you know, a lot of, of companies just didn't realize because maybe they hadn't had a material misstatement or a significant de- deficiency coming out of their close process, it was kind of easy to hum along and think that this could be sustainable, right, or that, that the process really wasn't in need of uh, modernization. And now this new normal has caused them to realize just how much they were depending on in-person touch points tribal knowledge, spreadsheets, files, things like that that are stored in places where they're really difficult to access. And so I think um, one of the common challenges that we're seeing here is that companies that don't have sort of technology in place maybe just don't know what they don't know. So I totally agree with Imran's statement that having these postmortems, because there's going to be so many learnings coming out of each of these virtual closes, Taking the opportunity to sit down and raise your hand and say, this was the biggest pain point for me, or this is the process that's most in need of solving, is a perfect way to get started on a journey. Um, And identifying those quick wins, like Imran said, is really powerful, not just because it gives you benefits quickly, of course, but also because that creates a lot of momentum and can also improve morale. Once you get your people seeing what's possible, that creates a lot of momentum and excitement for, you know, sort of the art of the possible as it relates to a virtual close. Thank you very much. Imran, good statement around the table. I appreciate that very much. Let's move on. Here's something important I want to cover in Katerina Reichert's list of statements she sent me before the show. Katerina says one thing she hears that CFOs are worried about is an increase in audit risk. Their team's operations are being executed by people in their home offices who may not have access to the standard operating procedures and certainly don't have the constant oversight that management structures provide. Katerina, why don't you expand this for us, please? Very interesting. Sure. So um, because financial teams are so focused on 
uh, business continuity and just getting that financial report out the door. Um, CFOs, of course, are wondering, you know, are my financial reports in this virtual close setup as complete and accurate as they have been in the past? Do I know that all of the controls that I usually have in place, all of the review cycles, all of the document documentation, um, are they all in place and are we proceeding um, according to the statutory reporting guidelines? And I think that um, what Molly just said about uh, how much individual teams actually rely on tribal knowledge and files that may be saved on their own personal mm -hmm. hard drives, um, that is for CFOs um, a potential audit risk, right? CFOs are very um, interested in processes that are as standardized and um, well-documented as possible so that at the end of the day they are audit-ready and that we can prepare the information that an auditor needs um, in a standardized um, in a standardized way, and we can make that information available to our internal audit, our management instances, as well as to external auditors, uh, regardless of whether the auditors will be able to come on site or not. So I, so I am hearing um, that there's an increase in audit risk, um, and I think teams are being creative and are looking for um, centralized solutions that will help them have that documentation ready if and when they need it. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Let's go around the table. Molly Boyle, join us, please. Thoughts? Agree or disagree? Yeah, well, this one's near and dear to my heart as a former auditor, of course. Um, I think, you know, there are some companies out there that were relatively prepared to shift to a virtual close because maybe they had technology solutions in place and they've done some of this before, like, you know, in shared service centers, as Katarina mentioned. But there are not a lot of companies out there who have ever, or really any, who have ever gone through a completely remote audit before. I think, you know, we can all agree, those of us who've been in the industry for a while now, that audits are just really typically conducted on site, there may be some things that have been done remotely, but there are frequently auditors in the office, um, and there's just such a dependency there on being able to provide supporting documentation, go through inquiries and procedures, all in person. And that, again, shifted and changed with almost no time to prepare. So I think, you know, teams need to figure out quickly how they're going to adapt to that and how they're going to work with their auditors to share information. Um, that's a huge one, right? I can recall lots of days of flash drives being passed around and binders being taken <laughs> to, a, to an audit room for testing. Um, those days are probably behind us now. So that's probably an opportunity. It's a low-hanging fruit to figure out these collaboration tools and how, um, how companies are going to continue to build relationships with their auditors, share information with their auditors, um, and do so, you know, without introducing a lot of extra cost or, or risk. So I totally agree. This is a, an area that companies need to focus on because just like the close isn't going away, audits aren't going away either, unfortunately. And so um, we just need to be thinking about this as we, as we plan for the future. Thank you very much. Very insightful. Imrid Lodi at Truqua, please join us. What are your thoughts about this oversight and the audit risk increase or not so much? Yeah, I, I think this is a really interesting topic because, um, as Molly said, I, I think there's audits aren't going away. Um, there are kind of there's the immediate impact. So speaking, speaking to some customers who are going through audit at the moment, um, it's a very who are in various stages of their own transformation journeys. And some of them have had relatively seamless off-site audits because um, they've had that technology in place to be able to access um, some of the audit or the records the auditors are trying to get hold of digitally so they can email them. Others are referring to warehouses in remote parts of the country which have been locked down and it's really put 
delays into the overall audit process because they haven't been able, the auditors haven't been able to sign off in certain areas. And so it's putting uh, timelines at risk. But then also, as we, as we think about the 2020 audit, um, what, what impact um, remote work in this forced, and as I think Molly spoke again earlier too, not having time to adapt to a remote close some companies, like what, how strong were the embedded processes that people were able to continue and what will um, auditors maybe find down the line? And again, I think it's, it's interesting with some of the um, companies who are further along in their transformation journeys, um, they've been able to embed a lot of controls and processes and access to standard operating procedures and stuff like that, and like um, embedded segregations of duties within their processes. So they've got a lot more comfort and confidence that, um, for the most part, they're going to be in good shape because they, they understand what their um, internal landscape looks like. So I think one, one of the things, one of the topics I've been bringing up with customers is those who feel like they're not, not so far along on their transformation journeys to take a step back and as, as a part of maybe if it's post-mortem or in preparation for close, just to speak to their teams and remind them of the importance of thinking about controls um, for audit, both both from a, a reporting risk perspective, but also IT risk, as Catherine was speaking to with access to remote data. Just think proactively. Um, our teams are smart. They're good people. We, we trust them and depend on them. So just empower them and get that, get that implanted, those thoughts implanted in their processes as they're adapting to make sure that we're, we're good as we go into future audits. Thank you very much. Very interesting around the table there. Katerina, uh, we're going to go into our predictions round in two minutes, but anything you want to add to what your two co-panelists, Molly and Imran, just said? No, I think they summed up the situation very well. Um, I especially oh. liked um, Imran's insights and comments about um, how we can learn moving forward as well. Thank you very much. We're officially in the crystal ball predictions round, and I'm going to turn to Molly Boyle at Blackline. Molly, usually give 60 seconds. I think if we talk, this is going to sound funny, if we talk fast, you can each have 90 seconds. I don't know why I said that. It just came out. I'm sorry. So, Molly, you can have a fast 90 seconds. Look into the future. Molly, the future could be five minutes. We're off the air. It could be 30 seconds after I finish my sentence. It could be the end of 2020. I don't know how far out you want to go because we have a lot of question marks right now about everything. So, Molly Boyle, look at Welcome to a New World, our topic today, the virtual financial close. Predict something and give me the time frame. 90 seconds. Go. Yeah, um, I love this part of, of the show as well. As much as I wish I had a crystal ball, I'm going to stick with my optimism here. Um, I really do think that, again, whether it's a couple months down the road or many months or a few years down the road, this will be a time when accounting and finance can really rise to the occasion. I think while our departments have maybe been known in the past for, you know, being slow to change or a little bit too risk averse from time to time. This is really, you know, a push for us to make changes that we were a little bit fearful as you started this show suggesting um, to mm -hmm. make in the past. And so I think this is going to be a great opportunity for accounting and finance talent to step up to lead some transformation efforts and to ultimately come out of this with an opportunity to, to use different parts of our skill set, right, where we're more strategic advisors to the business, where we're able to provide more real-time information, more insightful information, as opposed to maybe just last quarter's audited financial statements. Um, and so I think, I think accounting and finance will step up. Some companies have been quicker to do it than others, but at, at the end of the day, Every organization out there that, that's going to come out the other end of all this has to find a way to, to perform their processes virtually. And I think we're going to see a lot more companies adopting technology and embracing the opportunity to change. Thank you, Molly. I hear optimism oozing out of what you said, and I appreciate that. Imran Lodi and Truka, I have 90 seconds for you. Go! Yeah, I think um, I'm going to be optimistic as well. I think w one thing we're going to see coming out of this is we're going to see 
um, kind of a, a team of accountants who've had to operate in extremely challenging environments, and they're going to be able to take their experiences and um, that that rapid learning and the innovation forward with them in their careers is is we build out um, the the decade of 2020 with all of the the projects and transformations and, you know, M&A activity or whatever's happening within specific organizations, they're going to be able to scale what they've learned here. I think that um, this catalyst of uh, a transformation within our finance and accounting industry is going to, in part, mean that people are more aware of their options and what they can do. And, and so that's going to, there's going to be more benchmarking and kind of networking within leaders to see what other companies are doing to find opportunities. And finally, I think that the technology piece is going to be very interesting over the next couple of years is um, some of the some of the opportunities we have there are going to evolve. So we're talking about machine learning, which requires um, a, a level of history of data. As that matures and gets more um, robust, we're going to have even more opportunities to automate and people are going to be able to leverage some of these kind of more value-add um, skill sets that they've developed to, to adapt what the role of each each accountant at every level in an organization is going to look like over the next couple of years. Thank you very much. Katarina Rayshard at SAP. I saved 90 seconds for you. They're all yours. Go. Uh, thanks. So I'm going to look a little further out. I'm going to look about five years out. And what mm. I see is, what I see is that um, companies looking back to 2020, um, the revenue situation was a little tough. They're going to tighten their belts, look for cost cutting, and I think they're going to see automation as a way to um, to help reduce the cost of finance. And so companies investing in automation in five years' time will result in the financial close uh, taking place perhaps virtually, um, by design, not necessarily by necessity as it is now. And the financial close will almost be a non-event. The system will practically create the financial report through a series of automated tasks, um, leaving the accountants to do what Imran just said. The accountant will uh, be able to add real business value as a business partner, uh, providing information directly back to uh, the head of sales and the CEO and really helps steering the business. So through automation um, and these incremental steps that can even start now, we're going to be going into a different world where it is a slightly different skill set for accountants. They're going to be able to um, really steer the business and um, get out from under their um, uh, the prejudice position that an accountant is just a bean counter, and instead the accountant <laughs> is going to really become a, um, a business steward. And I think that's a really exciting time for accounting. Very much so. We talk about that frequently on this series. Thank you so much. I can't thank the three of you enough. You were all articulate and engaging. You referenced back and forth to each other and even to some of the things I said, which is appreciated. So I want to say thank you to the three of you. And I'm going to do a final shout out here, but also to Aaron Keller and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio Voice America. Thank you so much for getting us on the air and keeping us there. Again, appreciation to Chris Grundy at Birgit Starman's at SAP for sponsoring the ninth season. He's in our longest-running Game Changers show, and here is my final call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? I know everybody's cars are getting three months to the gallon, but put the seatbelt on, take the car around the block. It needs a little exercise. Go out and be a Game Changer today, just like Molly Boyle at Blackline, just like Imran Lodi at Truqua, just like Katerina Rayshard at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Remember, stay safe, be well, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.